for me, I always kind of fall back on the James Harden out of S1 because that was, that was a huge moment. Here I am at the United Center, and here is the guy on court, one of the best players in the NBA, wearing a shoe that I had a hand in, you know, like it's got my name on the shoe. Deep down, everyone's an artist, and kids, if what we're talking about, are basically artists, and, you know, uh, over time, that gets knocked out of them. They get people tell them that's stupid, that's unrealistic, that's this or that. The same things they tell people that are trying to achieve dreams. But when you tell that to a kid, it, if you think back to when you're a kid and someone said something to you, it might have just been a passing comment. But sometimes those words stick with you. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. Of course, you can call me Brad. Blessed to be here today with a fellow Aussie, but a fellow Aussie who is, you know, well, looks to be in a very sunny um, LA at the moment, the La La Land, the place where people go to make it big. And let me tell you, this man has made it big. He's made a brand and a business famous. He's made plenty of Aussies proud. He's our very own homegrown designer who's flown over there and made waves within, I guess you'd say the high-end sports leisure and street style kind of space and place. Um, I won't make out to be a fashion expert. That's him. So without further ado, from your home, your car or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only Mr. Daniel Patrick. How are you, brother? Hey, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Mate, it's a pleasure. I, I love to start every show with, I guess, the story of where I first come across the guest or where I first met them. And for me, yeah. it was actually a couple of years ago, you know, probably a good few years ago now, I was just scrolling through Instagram and, you know, this collaboration between yourself and James Harden was thrown in front of me. And yeah. I remember reading the story because I, I quite like the first thing that popped out to me was visually how much I liked the, the clothing. And I was like, yeah. oh, this looks cool. And like, I'm somewhat interested in fashion you know i'd like to think i try to dress somewhat impressive um <laughs> so you know I'm, I'm interested in that space and i read the article and it was you know aussie designer and i'm like oh this is amazing like how good is this to see a guy from sydney who's gone over and made it big in that space and in that world and from that moment on i guess the brand for me becomes something that that stood out and something that i watched and and looked on as you continue to collaborate with people and continue to grow in this space. So yeah. that's where I first come about. And then it was a solo trip just a month ago to LA where I thought I've got to get to Melrose and have a look at this store. And then I met your wonderful wife, Jenny, and, you know, we had a chat and, you know, she connected us through Instagram. So I feel very blessed to have you on the show. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel, well, I guess I feel blessed to be on the show because um, it's always nice to, to talk about, you know your journey and have a chat with people and um and the podcast platform is um always a a good space to kind of get in front of a new audience that may not know your story and um we've yeah we've had a lot of uh like we've done a few podcasts in the past and people bring them up to me and i'm always um and they they things that i say resonate with them and and yeah so it's nice to nice to be able to talk about that yeah. Well, the pleasure's all mine, brother. And, you know, one thing I'll say is I, I love a good story. My passion and the reason I do this is because storytelling for as long as I can remember has been something I've loved. And yeah. when I was speaking with your wife, she started to share 
some of your story with me, which I didn't know. I was, you know, I was a stranger to at the time. And she spoke about, you know, a younger Daniel Patrick landing in LA with two suitcases and a thousand dollars to his name. And I I love that because that is, it's such a, it's such an underdog story. So talk to me about that moment. Well, if if we kind of rewind a little bit from there. Um, So I was working construction in Sydney for my uncle's company. And it's obviously not, not my passion. You know, I wasn't looking to be um, a builder or, you know, developer or anything like that. So, you know, there's other people in that space that that's what they're going into it for. But for me, I was just purely doing it for cash, you know? So it's kind of like, um, you get up at 4am in the morning to go and, you know, I don't even know how I get, get, I don't even know how I got to, to work. And then after doing that for a month, I was like, ah, this isn't it. You know, this is not where I want to be. Um, and I had met my wife on a previous trip to LA and, you know, we were kind of, we weren't together at the time, but we were chatting back and forth and then just, I just was like, I just got to go and give this a go, you know, um, because I'm not happy where I am and what I want to do is go over there. So I just booked the ticket and um, I think I sold a bunch of my, I think I had like Air Jordans and stuff like that. I just sold everything I could and uh, just used that cash to kind of start a life in LA and wasn't really planning to come back you know that was yeah and that was what happened really (laughs) i love what you said there about you weren't happy and you know for me a big part of of my life in the last couple years has been recognizing that within my own journey and going i need a pivot here and make a change because you know whilst construction you know might pay the bills or whilst what i was doing real estate paid the bills and you know provided somewhat of a nice cozy lifestyle you know, waking up in the morning and dreading getting out of bed was just not a feeling I could settle with for the rest of my life. Now you, you spoke about the idea of give this a go. And you know, this, I guess now represents a huge brand, a brand that's known across the world, but I'm sure that that brand began as somewhat of an idea, somewhat of an inspiration, but I'm, I'm curious as to where that inspiration was grown because, you know, from some of what I've heard of your story, you're actually you know, trying to make it to the NRL and, you know, you're quite a talented footballer throughout your younger years. So where did all of this come into fruition? Because whilst it's probably more popular now with some of the younger sort of guys in the game who tend to be trendy and love their fashion and, you know, want to have businesses on the side back when you were playing, that wasn't a common thing. Yeah. So yeah, when I was playing, um, a lot of the boys weren't necessarily into fashion and I was, you know, so, and ever since a young age, I was always into, um, you know, clothing and appearance and, um, what I wore and why I wore it even down to like, um, like footy boots, you know, like the boots that I wore on the field were, um, were just as important as, you know, as playing the game and that, Obviously, maybe that's the wrong kind of mentality, but um, that kind of, I feel like that's a little bit more of an American mentality, you know, like with the basketball, it's like, look good, feel good, do good, you know, and with um, 
with like you know kind of my dad he was a pro um nrl player so um yeah for him like he couldn't care about what boots he wore or anything like that and 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 that's just that's kind of where we differ a little bit because i did and i and i i did care about what i what i wore on the weekends and i spent a lot of time um shopping and all that kind of stuff and i loved it and and for me that was where where i kind of thought i came to a bit of a crossroads with um when i was 20 because um i was playing jersey flag for the dragons at the time and um yeah we would train down in wollongong where you are um like several times a week uh yeah but basically just where am i going like i was like where am i going with my life i don't really want to i don't know if i want to keep playing footy anymore you know and there was some opportunities to go to france and play and to continue the like the career and that would have been a great lifestyle experience but I just was kind of at a point where I was like, I want to find what my passion in life is. And as I look back on my life with a mentor that I had at the time, um, who's now passed away, but um, we would kind of work on my football stuff. And now um, as I was kind of trying to work out what, what I wanted to do with life, she was the person that was kind of helping me with that too. And we kind of was looking at like, the purpose you know of mm. what what is my purpose and i feel like everyone has a purpose and from a young age you you know your purpose and you operate on it you know and so if you look back over your life and you and you look at what were you doing you know four years old five years old ten years old and if there's a common theme across there and then um for me that was something to do with um making people look good, making people feel good, um, and setting that example from, from myself as well. Um, so when I kind of realized that, then I was like, it made sense to me why I loved fashion. It made sense to me why I loved to have, you know, different footy boots and, um, and what I wore to the game and what I wore, like, um, you know, on a Saturday night when you go out, you know, like yeah. that was all the stuff that I loved. And once I found that, okay, this is, this is it, this is what I want to do. Then I wasn't really interested in football anymore. So I gave that away and uh, went into fashion, not knowing anything really. And just, I took a course in a fashion college in Glebe in Sydney, um, did that for a year, dropped out the second year. Um, and then just started working a job, um, in fashion, I did retail, I did, um, ran a warehouse and all these little things kind of added up to like, okay, when I have my own company, like it makes sense now, like the experience I got from this stuff. And, um, so yeah, basically I just wanted to find something that I liked doing and I, that I was passionate about and that served, um, the purpose that I have in life and what I want to achieve in, in my life. And, um, of course, you know, I want to be like, like I want to make money and, and, and kind of live a good lifestyle like that. But first and foremost for me was the purpose of like, okay, why, why do you want to do fashion? You know, it's not like you, it's not an easy career. I don't think any career is easy. So it's like, you may as well do something that you love because you're going to have to do it for uh, like, you're going to have to do long hours. You're going to have to do, it's going to be hard work and you're just going to have to like, like do something you, you may as well do something you love right for sure uh, and 
Brother, I love so much of what you said there. There's so many points I want to come back to from, you know, your answer to that question. The first being you spoke about, you know, that purpose that we're all connected with at a younger age. And it's so funny you say that because yesterday I was writing and I'm, I'm currently writing a book and I was talking about the early years of my life and how it's funny how in the early years of your life, you are so connected to your purpose. Like if I look at what I'm doing now, and then I look at myself as a four-year-old kid, five-year-old kid, it makes so much sense. Like yeah. it makes, all I wanted to do was chat, tell stories. I was writing, you know, I was making home movies. Like that's all the stuff that I done then reflects what I do now. But I think there's something that happens when we start to get a little bit older and we start to really observe the environment around us. And I think as we start to see other people, not that it's a bad thing, but we see other people fail when they try, when they try at things they love. And we see they're almost branded with fear because of that failure. And then the bond that you have with your courage and with that desire to pursue purpose at a young age somewhat grows further apart. And I feel like it's a real, it takes a lot of intention to rebuild that courage as we get into our adolescence and our adulthood, to rebuild that connection with your purpose to understand that it's okay to try and sometimes fall short of things in life. And for me, that, that happened a couple of years ago. I felt like I rebuilt that courage and, you know, summoned that bravery to go, well, I'm actually going to give this a crack. I'm going to give what I love a crack and take that path and see where it leads me. Did it take a little while for you to build the courage to step out of the space of rugby league? You know, especially that being a, a field and an industry that your dad had success in somewhat become some of your identity too, you know, to step out of construction, all these things take bravery. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it took um, a lot for me to step away from footy. Um, if, but the funny thing is, if you kind of, if you knew me growing up through school and, um, you know, like the way that I approached my football um, was different to a regular teenager you know it was like this is what i want to do you know and i pour everything into it and um the way that i got success in that area was just through hard work and dedication and um and you know basically i do weight training at lunchtime i would train before school i would train after school i would i was 14 years old i would go we had a we had one teacher in our school that was and I was playing for the Roosters at the time and we had one teacher in our school that was uh, working with the flag side of the Roosters and I was like 14 and I would just um I would hop in the car with him you know a couple times a week and I would go and I would keep I'd go do weights with the with the under 20s at 14 or 13 oh, yeah. and uh, I just kept yeah I just wanted to be there I wanted to live and breathe it and um so yeah, if you see me going into fashion, which one football to fashion is a strange thing, like uh, maybe less strange these days, but back then it was even more strange. Um, and then also the fact that like here I was so dedicated to, you know, playing rugby, um, rugby league, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm used to saying rugby over here because um, <laughs> the nuances are different. But um yeah, so basically you would have been like, oh, wow, like you were just so into your football. I wouldn't have even thought about like like you would have done something else. But I also feel like being a football player was 
somewhat along the purpose of what I was trying to achieve and, um, you know, setting that example for others. And as a kid, you look up to your favorite athletes and whatnot. And um, so it did kind of serve that, that purpose that I did find from when I was a kid. And um, I always liked dressing up as a kid. It was, um, you know, as a kid, you dress up as this and that. And, um, but yeah, that was another thing for me. I was like, yeah, I was always dressing up in costumes, like Karate Kid, Ghostbusters, um, my favorite athletes, Michael Jordan, um, Brad Fittler, you know, all these types of things. It was like, these were my idols. So I wanted to be like them. And then I've realized something, there's something around that, you know, about that dressing up factor and that, and like looking good and, you know, having others kind of gain um, some inspiration from that. And so that's kind of how I got into into that fashion thing. But the giving it up, what I, I it wasn't that hard because I just was so sure about the decision to go into fashion that it was more excitement. And mm. it was just like, when you play rugby league, the world is this small to what you can do, you know. But then when I'd always had a, a dream of becoming an American citizen and as a kid living in America, um, I just was always into that. But as a rugby league player, that's not an option, right? So it's yeah. like that whole world, the whole world opened up to me at that point too. And I was just like 20 years old and passionate about doing that. And I don't know, maybe hindsight, maybe it would have been better to, to do grind away at the football for a few more years, go to France, play, come back and try to crack it in the NRL. And um, yeah, but if your heart isn't there, then that's not going to work out either, you know? So and sure. I just felt like my heart was, was still there and I'd already found a purpose and a passion that I'd already been into my whole life. So it was kind of like, okay, let's, let's do this, you know, go all in and um you know it was took 10 years to to get where we are now or more you know um, but it, i think it, i think it paid off in the end you know so for sure you know i've been listening to a book called 4000 weeks and yeah. the premise of the book is 4000 weeks is the time span of the average human life right if you live to around 80 and in the book a big theme of the first early parts that i'm into i'm a little bit of a slow listener reader it yeah. speaks about this idea and this concept of where there is limited time in life to achieve all of the things that we want to achieve. We have to become comfortable and embrace the joy of missing out. And what you just said there kind of makes sense to me off the back of, you know, listening to that this week that whilst, you know, in hindsight, that could have been the path to go back and really have a crack at the NRL and play in France ultimately the joy of missing out on, on one of the things that you loved in your life has led to this great success and flourishing in, in the space that you're in now. But funnily enough, I think the ability to let that go at the time, it's kind of come full circle because, you know, one of my best mates plays in the NRL and, you know, Zach and I sit and chat all the time about your clothes and we talk about fashion and, you know, literally just this morning I, I went for a coffee and I'm sitting there just, you know, doing a bit of journaling, getting ready for the day. And Zach, um, Blake and Paul Vaughan all walk into the cafe and sit down and, you know, we just start chatting. We're chatting about fashion. You know, I've got your pair of your pants on at the moment and 
you know, yeah, they're like, right. oh, when's Daniel on the potty? I'm like, he's on this morning. So we, you know, we're having that chat and they're like, oh, I love his kit. So the yeah. funny thing is, I'm like, even though you've stepped away from that wall, you're kind of still within it, you know, like yeah. you get to be the fashion influence for those guys now and something they love and they're passionate about. And, you know, ultimately sport has become a big part of your brand. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like when I first started fashion, I didn't really know what my voice was and what I wanted to say, you know, through the clothing. Um, I just knew, you know, I wanted to do something and, so the first couple of years, I was kind of just working myself out as a person in life and also working my, and as a result, was working out what my voice was in fashion too. So I, the, the brand has kind of um, matured and evolved with me as a person. And I like, I like the fact that it has. Um, but as I became more and more, I guess, myself and comfortable with who I am, and um, I leaned on you know, my experience in life. And I, it just became like an, an organic and authentic thing to, to, to come like the sports thing came about and, and yeah, I just, the timing was right when I felt like to do some sports stuff and um, we started doing some stuff in that area and um, it's worked out really well for us. And I think I've just kind of lent on that. And then, you know, we did the collaboration, like you mentioned earlier with, um, with Adidas and James Harden and um, yeah. So like you said, like it's come full circle. Like, yeah, I didn't become a pro athlete and um, which would have been, you know, a fun experience. And, but I actually, I feel like sometimes that um, even though I didn't make it, uh, you know, now I'm able to, to inspire these guys, like you said, and um, you know, have, having, worked with James Harden and making stuff with um, Adidas and you have shoes on the court and an NBA all-star weekend in Chicago in 2020. Um, you, and then you have NRL players, NFL players. So it's kind of like I've become multi, multi-faceted in sport, you know, and, and, and it's kind of, like I said was earlier, rugby league was this big and going into fashion opened up a whole a whole world to me and that was kind of um like sports like you said sport has become full circle for up to that as well you know so yeah for sure i love that everything you talk about here today really to me it it screams at like it's been so important to you for the brand to be very authentic to be very much like you said earlier a reflection of yourself how much do you think yeah. that because quite often and you know in you know to the contrary of what's happened to you, sometimes when something is so personal and, and so much of what you want to share with the world, it's not always the best fit for business, right? But I yeah. think for longevity, when it's something that you love and it's something that speaks to you, it, it tends to last a little bit longer. But I guess in your case, it feels like it's actually been the driver of success. That like what you love and yeah. what you wanted to create has been the thing that people have attached themselves to within that brand. You know, do you think that's played a big role? Well, you look at like Steve Jobs as an example, like he had a passion for making product and he had an idea of what he wanted to make. And business-wise, some of the stuff that he did may, maybe when you started out wasn't like the greatest idea of like, oh, this isn't, this is great, but how are we going to sell 
a Mac for, you know, this price, you know, and then he's like, don't worry about that, you know, and then fast forward now, they're a trillion dollar company and built off the back of those ideas. And I don't even think that they've moved beyond those ideas since then. You know, it's like, we just, we still have the same iPhone coming out. It's like, okay, it's just got a little bit more memory this time. We have iPads and all these things. It's all the same products that Steve Jobs gave us. And, and he basically introduced like, you didn't know you needed this, but this is what you need, you know? So um, not to say that I'm Steve Jobs of fashion, but um, it's kind of like, you just, you make what you love and you're sold on your product and you love it, you live it, you breathe it, you wear it. And um, that's that's what resonates. And that's kind of just how I operate with with clothing is, I make things that I want to wear and I do keep in mind of the consumer and I am in that regard, but all of my hits, so to speak, were just off, um, I guess, ideas and whims that I had of like, of, oh, we should do this color, we should do this. And, and that's just always been successful for me. So I just keep doing that. Yeah, I love that. Talk to me uh, about the feeling of landing in LA because I have a question that for me, feels like it's something, it feels like a moment that would take real courage, real bravery to land in LA with an idea, a business, a brand that you want to create, that you want to bring to life is very intentional, right? Like, you know, anyone you speak to, whether it's in entertainment, business, fashion, sport, if they're going to the States, it's because they're going to make it big. Then with that is kind of like, you know, this whole world back home of people you know, whether it be this small world, you know, the, the people within your circle who are watching you pack your bags, leave Sydney and land in the place where hopes, dreams and opportunities are supposed to come to fruition. Did, did yeah. you feel like there was a sense of expectation? <clears throat> was there almost like a little bit of fear that comes with that? I don't think anyone really cared about me at that point. So not that my family didn't care about me, but it was like, you know, it's not like anyone knew that you were going to do that. You know what I mean? And yeah. then they see later that you did it. Okay. But yeah. Um, family wise, always very supportive. Um, and that's about all the people that knew that I was going. <laughs> okay. So you, you kept um, this pretty tight. I wasn't even intentionally keeping it tight. It was just more or less that um, I just went and did it. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was it. I wasn't really, um, I talked about it for a long time before that. And people would always say, you talk about it so much, I don't think you're ever going to do it. And um, that would kind of drive me to do it even more, you know, because I'm Mm. like, well, they don't think I can do it. You know, Um, these are just people that I come across, you know, from school or that I would work with in retail or um, even ex-girlfriends and whatnot, you know, just um, friends and um yeah i mean some friends they don't say anything some people they'd be like yeah it's not something that you could do you know you always talk about it but you're not going to do it and um that kind of drove me a little bit more you know um because i was like well here i am saying i'm going to do something then i need to kind of deliver on that and yeah that is what i want to do anyway so it's not like so if i go and do that then 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 I win. If I don't, then I lose, you know? So mm. at least give me a crack. Um, but I didn't really have a doubt in my mind that it wouldn't go good, you know? Yeah. 
you, you didn't. You, no, I didn't. You didn't. No. Yeah. So for you, were there any crisis points in the early stage of the business? Any points in which you thought, well, we need to pivot here or, you know, this isn't going to plan? Um, I think there's always in business as in life, there's always, there's always things where you're like, you know, this is not good. Like, this is not good. We don't have money to produce our first collection, you know? So that was a, that was the struggle. So we had to kind of work out like, how are we going to do this? You know? Um, but I knew that if I did it, we could get things rolling. And, um, so I worked that out, um, and just come across different things over the years. Like, um, I mean, in business, you run into legal stuff here and there. Um, you know, you come across people that, that, I guess don't really want you to win as well, you know? Um, of course. And yeah. So you have to learn to kind of remove the thorns from the road and, um, and keep moving along the road. And yeah. So if you kind of get wrapped up in those, those thorns and stuck in the weeds a little bit, and um, that's where people give up and they go home um, with their tail between their legs. But yeah, I just kind of, every time that I better one of those obstacles, you know, you feel more formidable and, um, and just get to a point where you're like, doesn't matter what comes at us. We can, we can better that storm and, and keep going. You know, it's kind of like um, bubble gum shrimp. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have, I have to ask because there is a common misconception in life that you can't do things until you're ready for them. Right. And, you know, people always talk about, you know, oh, until I'm ready, like until I'm super prepared to do this, I'm not going to chance my arm and, and have a crack at it. Or until I feel really comfortable with that idea, I'm not going to embrace it. Now, there's been some huge moments in your business. You know, the one that we've spoken about once or twice here with, you know, the collaboration with Adidas and James Harden. When an opportunity like that comes up, is there a somewhat of a feeling in the gut that like, maybe I'm not ready for this. This is a huge step. Um, I don't think I kind of have an idea of what I want to do. And then I try to get the opportunity to do it, you know, so I kind of come up with a ton of ideas every day. I'm like, oh, we should do this. You know, I should be a creative director for this. I should do this, um, collaboration. I should do this collection. And then once you get it and then you start to like, oh, now we actually have to do something here. Then it becomes a little bit daunting, but I, I don't sell myself as that. I don't think I could do it. And I always, I always work it out, you know, and, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't operate with, um, with fear. I kind of just operate with, um, here's an idea. Okay. Let's make it happen. Okay. Then we, once we, once we got the opportunity in front of us, then the work begins, obviously, um, the work is to get the opportunity and then the real work actually to, to make the product that makes the thing successful. Um, so yeah, for me, that becomes, I've noticed like there's been situations where I'm sitting in front of people and, um, you know, I, I don't, I feel like I'm not sure what I'm doing, but, um, but I know that I, I know that I do know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? For sure. So, yeah. It's kind of like a little bit like you doubt yourself a little bit and then you feel like, um, but then once you start working on it, okay, you, you, 
you know that you can do it you know it's i think it's like in a game of football it's like you're a little nervous to start but you know you take a hit up you take a run you do something and you're into the game and then you know you kind of build your confidence from there so yeah for sure yeah i love that i think it's just the act of doing you know, it's, it's actually a great quote, um, fellow podcaster and a guy who had come on my show a little while ago, Cooper Chapman, he, he's a great lad. And Cooper gave me a quote that, that I really love. He said, the act of confidence comes before the feeling of confidence. And I think that's what you're alluding to there, right? Like yeah, you know, sure. if, you, if you act it, you do the work, you start to then form that belief in yourself as you move along. And then eventually that feeling comes. But yeah, I think I'd say that's a huge message for anyone listening who feels like maybe there are things in life that are out of reach or maybe they're not ready for yet. You don't really know until you try. So, you know, you have to have a go. You have to have that self-belief. And then, yeah, if you fail, I mean, fail, there's no failure. It's just, you know, you learn from it and it's just a learning experience and you just keep going. You lift, you lift yourself up off the campus, you dust yourself off and now you have um, you have more... Uh, experience and knowledge for the next time that comes around you know so I don't think that you should wait to be ready for something before you do it because you may never feel like you're ready for something before you do it so for me um, I didn't have the opportunity or um, to like to go and work in fashion and create my aesthetic before I started my brand I just was like I'm going to make stuff and put it out and kind of build, build my, um, I guess, brand identity through doing. And that was how I've always done it. Cause I just was like, well, one, I need to, I need to make money, sell clothes, make money. And so I just kind of, I felt like I learned by doing, and I learned in the spotlight of making and selling stuff and, and, my craft just was honed by doing, and that was a big thing. Yeah, for sure. How would you explain your brand to someone who is not hearing, who hasn't heard about it, and is hearing about it for the first time? Um, I think it's a it's a luxury kind of take on sportswear. It would be the best way that to describe it. Um, but the clothes are obviously high quality um and more like high end and that's kind of like the process is a little bit more detail oriented and um yeah we it's just something that's simple yet detailed and mm. it's clothes that you wear in everyday life not necessarily you could wear it to the gym but it's made to be worn in life and so that's that's where the streetwear aspect of it comes along and I think the way that the world is going, um, it's it's kind of uh, a little bit more casual. Um, and I think that fits our aesthetic. It's cozy. and um, But we also have other, other aspirations, I guess, to expand beyond just the sportswear aspect of it while still keeping that, that same kind of DNA and that same sport vibe in it in the clothing, you know, with like doing denim, doing leather, um, doing knitwear, all that kind of stuff. Um, I've developed like different collections with that kind of stuff that hasn't been released yet. Um, but that'll complement the sports aesthetic and 
I kind of have always been interested in like high low dressing where it's kind of like you dress something up um, with a high end item, you know, so like your track pants, you know, you dress them up with um, a denim jacket or, and, or like you make them so you could wear that stuff out to dinner or you could wear it down the park with your kids, like to watch their game on the weekend, or you could wear it to coffee, you could wear it to anywhere, you know, it's like you dress it up, you dress it down. And that's kind of like, um, that's what the brand's about. And that's, yeah. And that's what I'm about, I guess. I'm sure many people listening to this will have their eyes peeled for when that stuff drops. I'm, yeah, I'm really sure. curious, man. Talk to me about some of the pinch me moments in this business, you know, in, in this journey, the quest of the last few years, because judging off what I see on socials that there must be a few. Um, I mean, for me, I always kind of fall back on the James Harden added S one because that was, that was a huge moment. Um, and sometimes, well, sometimes you don't realize the opportunity you have until, you know, way after that you did it. Um, mm. But I just thought to myself, here I am, you know, I grew up like maybe when I was like five or six or um, at a, you know, found out about Michael Jordan. I was heavily into Michael Jordan, everything Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan. Um, and, you know, I had a dream to go to the United Center, um, which is the, where the Bulls play. And in 2020, that was where the All-Star Weekend was with James Harden um, wearing the shoes. And so for me, I was like, here I am at the United Center. And here is a guy on court, one of the best players in the NBA, wearing a shoe that I had a hand in, you know, like it's got my name on the shoe. And I don't know, that was, that for me was just like a big moment because, um, you know, just from where I had come as a kid and it's kind of coming to fruition and yeah, not necessarily that I'm playing on the court, but yeah, I feel like there's moments like that, that you just really have to look back and enjoy and I feel like you have to create those moments again in the future, you know, because for sure you can do that once, but you have to perform that again. You know what I mean? So you have mm. to like, so now that you've done that, you have to do it. Okay. We have to do something like that again. You know, it's like, cause that one moment is fleeting. It's done, you know, so I could dwell on that and, um, or I could create the next, you know, James Harden a moment, which would be with something else, you know, so I, that's what I'm striving for. Cause yeah, you can live on the past and, or you can live in the future or you can yeah, kind of be thankful that what you did in the past and be present in the, in the present and then be creating the future. That was kind of the balance that I always got to try to try to keep. You know? Yeah. Really well said brother. I love that. And I know whilst, a, like a massive part of the way that you look at this and you approach this is very much it's your journey and you're you're doing something that is unique to you um, I'm sure there's people who have been inspirations and you know somewhat mentors in your space have there been a couple of those um I don't really have any mentors in my space to be honest with you um I mean I have people that I look up to in the space that kind of you know i look to like uh, rick owens or ralph lauren or um a yoji emimoto you know and that was kind of 
like how we had you know y3 so yep. that was one dream i've had is doing a y3 with adidas and having a long-term thing like that how they have that partnership like a stella mccartney type deal um so that's kind of what i look towards but then i have people that are athletes that kind of that are outside the space that i look to um for either their their fashion sense or their you know playing abilities but like a david beckham or something like that um you know so those are kind of like my heroes that i that i look up to and uh, michael jordan another hero um yeah and i always feel like that you don't have to like just have something that's so specific to the one thing it's like like with what you do, you could gain something from me and I do fashion, you know, and what, mm. and I could gain something from you and you don't do fashion, but, or you can take a piece of information and you can apply it to what you're doing. You know, it doesn't have to be anything specific. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, and it's funny you say that I've got on my wall at home, a, a big piece of art and it's a picture of Pharrell Williams. And for me, that just like represents a guy who is always thinking outside of the box is, um, you know, it strives for multiplicity, loves to be doing different things and, and challenging, challenging himself in different spaces. And that's a guy that I take a lot of inspiration from. So uh, yeah, I completely get what you mean there. We can learn yeah. from everyone, right? Yeah. Cause we're not trying to be rappers or singers or, or soccer players or NBA players or this or that, but just the, the things you can learn from successful people, they'll, they kind of, they can be applied and they can resonate in any endeavor that you kind of set out to achieve, you know, for sure. How much of, how much of your drive now is related to your children? Because I think, you know, your, your children are younger, but you know, that's such a big step in life. You know, when you bring children into the world, now you're a role model and you know, you're not just a business owner, you're not just a brand, but you're, you know, you're there everything. So how much of what you do now is, I guess is backed by this thought of, you know, my children will look at this, understand it and translate it one day. Yeah. I think like for me, having kids um, is a major change in your life. Um, and it's kind of like, you don't really know what it's going to be like until you do it. And it, it really gets you in a position where um, you don't have monopoly of your time anymore. You know, so your kids come first um, and it changes a lot of things that you can do for me. Um, schooling is number one for my kids. So going to the the right school that, that we think like my wife and I think that they should go to, you know, so that kind of limits, you know, where you live at, at, at the same time. So you become less selfish and less about your endeavors. And then also you want to, help them with their endeavors as well. So I think, um, I think it's a good balance for life because it takes you, I don't know, like I said, it makes you less selfish in a sense. And, um, you know, you want to help their dreams and aspirations. And, um, my son wants to play in the NBA. So I'm, I'm, you know, helping him to achieve that. He's six years old, but this is where it starts. You know, this is where you have to kind of put that in. Otherwise, you know, at like five years from now, he wasted five years of where, where he could have been at. And yeah, I just, I want him to have the opportunity to succeed 
and I want my daughter to have the opportunity to pursue what she wants to do as well. And I've always had the opportunity to pursue whatever I wanted to do. And my parents always like, like I wanted to be an ice hockey player because of Mighty Ducks. So I went and, you know, kind of leans back on that dressing up aspect of things. But, you know, so I went and did that before I played footy, I did ice hockey, you know. So then I wanted to play footy, then we did that. And I wanted to go surfing, skateboarding, whatever. Um, my parents were supportive and my dad, you know, paid for my tuition to go to the, the fashion college in Glebe. Um, so, you know, he just wants his kids to succeed and be happy. Same with my mom. You know, my brother's a magician and I'm a fashion designer. It's like yeah, well. we're not doing the regular jobs and there's nothing wrong with doing the regular jobs um, because, but we just kind of, with like you kind of said, when you're, when you're a kid, you do certain things, you know? And then when you grow up, you kind of feel like, okay, um, now I have to kind of be serious about life and I have to, um, I have to get a job and I have to do this and that. And you feel like you have to do these certain things that have been designed for you to do. And it's kind of like, well, when you're a kid, you're kind of thinking like, like Disney, you're thinking like, oh, like I'm a, this is a fantasy world. You know, I can create this, this and this. I can live in a castle. I can do these things. So as an adult, you get jaded by life, losses here and there, and um, things that knock you down. But you get up, and then you don't have that same – you don't look at the world the same way. Like if I looked at something and then a kid looks at it, that kid's going to be like, that's beautiful. And I look at it, and I'm like, I didn't even, I'm not even noticing that. But yeah. so kids kind of look at things a little bit different to um, – to us and I feel like if you can have that mentality you had as a kid that kind of like the world is you know like beautiful and magical and you know you can achieve any anything you want to achieve it takes that to some degree to succeed you know yeah well you know it's it's so true that you know you could almost say kids are like the best fashion designers right because when you know when you let a kid dress themselves they walk out and they've got the most eccentric outfit on, right? But the confidence yeah. that they have in that outfit, it sells it, right? You you buy into that. And, you know, sometimes yeah. you go, you know, the Batman mask with the the Crocs and, you know, the, the parachute pants and, you know, then the dress over the top. You're like, oh, not what I would have picked, but like, good on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's that confidence. Kind of I have like, that confidence. Yeah. It's kind of like Big Daddy, didn't you let him dress in a scuba outfit <laughs> or something? Yeah, uh, exactly. And it's yeah, like kids so. have just got that raw expression of who they want to be, and you know the world hasn't the world hasn't allowed them to think that they can't do that yet. Yeah, well, you should never knock that out of them because I I think deep down everyone's an artist, and kids, if what we're talking about, are basically artists, and you know, uh, over time that gets knocked out of them, they get people tell them that's stupid, that's unrealistic, that's this or that. The same things they tell people that are trying to achieve dreams. But when you tell that to a kid, it, if you think back to when you're a kid and someone said something to you, it might have just been a passing comment. But sometimes those words stick with you, you know? And it's like, years later, you remember it and you're like, 
man, I remember when you said to me this as a kid, and the person was like, I don't even remember saying that, you know, and but that kind of stuck with you as a kid in a, such a way that it's um that it really kind of stops you from reaching again, you know. Yeah, you know, sure. At least you get enough of those and you won't reach at all, you know. So, well, I think we, yeah. we have such a responsibility as human beings to not only uplift the next generation, but to uplift each other. Like what, what you said there resonates highly with me. I remember, you know, being, you know, especially in my teenage years at school, like I struggled with my skin quite a bit and it was just, it would yeah. be one passing comment about like, oh, your skin's broken out. And just like, the ins I went from being a comfort, I could go from being extremely confident when my skin was clear to just super insecure and just, I'd shell away like freak out about what people were going to think of me at school and like all of this like raw expression and confidence that I gave to everything I did in my life was just shelved for a couple of weeks until my skin would clear up and it was just these little passing comments that allow you to absorb yourself in that I guess that that insecurity that self-doubt that negative talk and and there's still times today where like I wake up this morning giant bloody pimple on my chin and I'm like oh for fuck's sake the day of a podcast and you start you know that negative self-talk and then you're like does anyone really care I'm chatting to Daniel Patrick they're not looking at me anyways you know does you anyone really notice though too because I have been speaking to you and I have not noticed it until you mentioned it and even now you mentioned it, I don't see nothing you know and so it's kind of like that's the thing is like people are so wrapped up in their own selves their own problems that they don't really like they're not really actually like i mean they do care but it's like that like they got their own problems you know 100 like, yeah, but i can i can understand like i feel the same way a pimple here and it's like you want to put some cover up on it but then when you put the cover up on it you're like oh they, i'm worried if they notice that i'm wearing the cover up yeah. on it you know so then i'm just like oh, i'm just gonna rock the pimple right now because if someone looks at it and sees like a cover up on it, i'd rather than i'd rather than just see the pimple <laughs> so for sure for sure and you know what it's you you learn that as you get older, like it, it's funny, we go from being carefree as children. Then we start to care about everything through our adolescence and our, our adulthood. We, you know, we look at the way that other people look at us, what they must think, how they're processing the, the outfit decision, or, you know, the way that we look that day, or, you know, whether they think we've been training or not in the gym. And then you get to this stage where you get older and you just don't, you start to not care again anymore. Like I look at yeah. my, my pop now, and my pop is getting to that age where I've got, got a really great relationship with my pop, but he kind of doesn't censor what he says as much anymore. And like, I find it hilarious, but I think yeah. like 10 years ago, he probably would have like been a little bit more mindful, but we have the best laughs and I find him funnier than ever because, you know, he's just getting to that carefree stage of his life again. And there's something really beautiful about that, that I think we yeah. can learn from the youth and the elderly. And, and it's just a reminder to be as compassionate as you can to the people around you and, and to uplift as opposed to, you know, keep people down. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, you know, like those comments, like you said, when people say something, they stick with a person and, mm. um, yeah, I always try to be mindful of like, okay, if I said that to that person or mention this, that might, that kind of might introvert them a little bit and, mm. I might not mention it, you know. Um, so yeah, like that's kind of, and some people, yeah, like some people intentionally do it to kind of make you introvert, and other people 
might do it by accident. You know, they didn't realize. So if you, yeah, if you kind of surround yourself with people that, that do care about you and want to see you win, then um, I think you'll give yourself a better chance of succeeding as well. If you, you get around these people that have these little um, comments at you all the time, then that can kind of drag you down as well, you know? So um, if you kind of remove those comments from your life, then you'll be happier and also more able to succeed, I think. For sure. You know, I'm, I'm big on the people I surround myself with and I'm, I'm really blessed, man. One of the things that if I look at, you know, the areas of my life I'm really grateful for, one of them is I just have amazing people around me. I've got the best group of mates who are just all caring, compassionate, like give their energy, the best family. Like, you know, they say you can't pick your family, but I'd pick mine every day of the week. I love them dearly. And I'm just so yeah. blessed to be surrounded by a positive circle of influence. I can see that fashion and especially at your level in fashion, where you're collaborating, meeting with chatting and, and meeting new people all the time that, you know, you would have many acquaintances, but do you tend to keep a tighter inner circle, the people that you go to consistently? Yeah. I just don't have a lot of time to hang out with people, mm. which is unfortunate, but I do have a large amount of speaking acquaintances though, you know, that I would, that I talk to, um, you know, some more serious than others, I guess, you know, like, uh, or others more just like, you know, kind of surface conversation type stuff. But, um, but I guess this, the people that I spend the most time with is, and, and, and I talk to the most of my family um, and my wife, my kids, uh, my dad, my mom, my brother, my sister, my brother-in-law, you know, that's kind of like, the people that I talk to the most and I guess the people that I work with because um, mm -hmm. we're working and I like working. So we, you know, chat to people, chat to the people that I work with about work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I could probably, I could probably do more to, um, to build more friendships and, and stuff like that, but it just, there's a time factor involved and um, I don't, I don't feel like I have the the capacity, I guess, at times to to do that. But yeah, I mean, we can always have more friends, right? For sure. But but I get what you're saying in the same sense that when you don't have the capacity, like, you know, you've only got so much value to give. And I'm always really mindful of like, I've got 10 really close mates that I try to speak to every week and try to give them time and energy to. And I'm always yeah. very conscious of the fact that like with them and then my family, I don't have a lot of time outside of that. You know, I'm trying to, you know, grow things from a podcast level, write a book, you know, speak on stage. There's only so many days in the week, so many hours in a day that if I start to like grow that circle too much, don't get me wrong. Like I've got plenty of mates. I'll, you know, go for a run with or have a chat with on Instagram or every now and then there'll be a text back and forth. But I'm like that value that I have to give and like that love, that care, attention, you know, can only be given to so many people before it's diluted and I start to forget the importance of those people who are really close. So I, I completely get what you mean. You've only got so much capacity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can expand your capacity, but yeah, for me, I'm like, if I'm doing projects, I want to be able to do the, that project. Well, you know, so mm -hmm. like if I got 10 projects, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I always think that you can do better, be better and, and, and expand more. And so I always kind of, 
try to do that. Um, but yeah, you kind of got to do it in a way where you don't spread yourself too thin as well. Yeah. For sure. Hey, Dan, yeah. we've come to the part of the podcast where I ask five questions and five answers. It's a consistent theme now in the podcast. Some I will say, sometimes I do forget one of the five questions and just have to roll okay. off the top. <laughs> I've done it so many times, but sometimes I forget them. But the way that we release this part of the podcast is for those of you who have been listening to the full episode so far, um, this is like the the conclusion piece. And there's some of you who might be hearing this separately or watching this separately. And this is almost like a great trailer to then go and listen to the full chat. So Dan, my five questions for you begins with the first. And the first is if you could recommend only one book or podcast to someone listening, what would that be? One book or podcast. That's a tough one. Um, I have many books, but I'm just trying to think. I don't know. You tend to read or listen? Uh, I tend to watch. <laughs> okay, more of a watch out. Well, is is there a piece of of content that you'd recommend someone watching? I think you should just consume like everything, really. You know, like I watch sports documentaries. I watch you know junk reality shows. I watch movies, um, and I don't know. You feel like you can take something from all those things you know um but yeah i'm just trying to think of like a book that i would recommend um i know early on in the piece i was reading the 10x rule of the grant cardone okay um, yeah. that one was and then when i was playing rugby there was a book by michael johnson called slaying the dragon i've um, heard of this yeah kind of, yeah and I got a hold of that book from a friend. Well, I borrowed it from a I babysat some um someone's house when I was like a teenager. And then they had this book and I borrowed the book. And then I had no intention of giving the book back after I read it. And um years later I was like, I should have given the book back. It wasn't okay. So um I kind of went and gave the book back. Um <laughs> And I got my own copy. I think I actually ended up buying them a new copy of the book because I, yeah, because I kept the other one. And um, so, but yeah, I have a copy of that book. I haven't read it for a while. I pulled it out the other day. I was going to have another look at it. But yeah, that 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 book's quite amazing. Um, what he had to do um, to make things go right to win the 200 and the 400 in the Atlanta Olympics was, um, that resonated with me. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love that. My second question for you, is there a daily habit or ritual that forms a part of your, it could be morning or evening routine that you feel like sets you up for success? Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and is that, tell me, is that harder in LA than it used to be in Sydney? Well, the funny thing is I wasn't into coffee in Sydney. I got into okay. it over here. And um, if you know where to go, there's good coffee here. Um, but where was, where's yeah, your favorite? Um, my favorite right now has been blue bottle. Ah, uh, yeah. Know, I had a couple of blue bottles while I was over there. Yeah. And for me, just, yeah, um, I always get a good quality. Um, well, I, it's called a Cortado, well, Cortado 
Gibraltar. Um, I don't think you have it down there because then I came. I felt like I was speaking a foreign language when I tried to order a coffee when I went. I went to the grounds. Oh yeah, yeah. And I got on the plane. That was we went straight to the grounds pretty much, and I hadn't been to Sydney for eight years, and I started asking the guy, "You got a Cortado? You got a Gibraltar?" And the guy looked at me like, like I was like speaking another language. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I, I feel, I'm from here, but I'm not from here, I guess, because I don't really yeah. know. <laughs> what? So, so what's yeah. a what's a Gibraltar? How would you explain um, it? Is it like a filter brew or? No, it's a. It's in between a, I guess it's bigger than a piccolo, but it's um. It's smaller than a flat white. So it's on milk? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, you know, it's espresso on milk. You know, it's like, um, but it's just, it, it's to do with the um, the amount of milk is in the coffee. And I don't like my drink milky. I like it strong coffee. Like I like the taste of coffee. And um, the Gibraltar is the size of this shot glass called a Gibraltar glass. Okay. And that is the perfect size of um like of the coffee of the for me the milk to coffee ratio so yeah see maybe i should have spoken here before i headed over because that sounds very similar to what i'd have back home but when i went over there i had a similar experience i walked up to the counter and i was like do you have an almond magic and they're like there you go magic is exactly what i worked out was the exact size coffee that i ordered in australia yeah so it's like double riz shot on three quarter full yeah yeah that was um that where did i learn that i think that's I a melbourne that thing melbourne. yeah melbourne, melbourne thing. has the best coffee they do have very good coffee i lived in melbourne for a year in 2018 while i was working in real estate and you are very sport for choice like it's it's quite good yeah any place has good coffee but there's obviously other places have there's better places than others but i i when i went to melbourne I was drink trying to drink decaf for that time, which was stupid, but um <laughs> but I went to one coffee shop called I think it was called Everyday. It's called Everyday, it's in Everyday. in the C B D. Okay. Um they did and I got a um a decaf like I guess what did I order? I think I got a decaf magic and you wouldn't even know that thing was decaf. It was so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. They're pretty good these yeah. days. I have to ask yeah. just to, to sidebar a little bit here, you know, we're talking about Oz and you can still sense that there's a passion for home in your voice. Is there ever a yeah. plan to like, to bring something back here to, to spend a bit of time here as a family, or do you feel like your life and your plans are, are very much in, in the U S? I mean, I flip flop on that stuff all the time. You know, I'll go through like, I go through periods where, you know, I, oh yeah, like I want to live everywhere. And my son even said it to me the other day. I was like, I was said to my wife, I was like, would you want to live in Utah? And then my son's like, you want to live everywhere? And I'm like, <laughs> I do actually. <laughs> um, and it's funny because uh, I do have that intention to have my kids kind of be closer to, uh, I guess, my family and mm. like have a bit of taste of what it was like for me to grow up there. So that last trip I was kind of planting some seeds in terms of like um, creating more opportunities for me to be back in Sydney you know, yep. so, or in Australia in general. So 
yeah, I have a manager who's based in Melbourne. Um, okay. He deals with a lot of athletes, not only in Australia, but all over the world. Like he has NBA athletes and whatnot. And um, so, but yeah, I've been working with him and he's been, he's been really great to kind of plant those seeds for, for having that as an opportunity to be in Australia more. Um, I do like it there. There's some things I don't like and there's some things that I do like. Um, yeah. So yeah, the things that I don't like uh, can be a bit of a deal breaker though <laughs> for living there full time. Well, if you don't mind me asking, what would they be? Two things, taxes and speed cameras. And um, just, it. I just feel like everything is so controlled. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's, and I don't know if... If I didn't go away for eight years and then come back into maybe not you don't have to be eight years, but like I'm used to the way of life I have over here. Yeah. So you go away for eight years, you tend to have a different perspective and see a different thing to somebody who's in it. You know what I mean? Mm. And this isn't um I kind of said this to someone the other day. You know, you put a dog on a leash and then you take the leash away, still walks the same distance. Yeah. But he doesn't realize he's doing it. You know, so it's kind of like I I didn't realize like how I guess how bad it was in terms of like those things. And I don't necessarily want to say this on a podcast for people to be like, oh, he's just bagging on Australia and whatnot. But you know what I'm talking about, though, right? I do. Yeah, man, you don't. You're preaching to the choir. I just got six hundred dollars worth of speeding fines from Canberra. That's my point. Cheeky bastards. That and the cameras weren't signposted. Like, not only that is a cheeky. It's fucking expensive. Bloody oath. Like six hundred dollars. Like, how is that worth six hundred dollars? And on top of that, you got to pay tolls to use every road. Mm. You know, like the cross city tunnel. You go across like you know one mile road. It's like like six six bucks. You know, then yeah. you come back, and I think maybe one way you don't have to pay, but I, don't, I can't remember. Um, and then not only that, you come out of the tunnel, and it's forty kilometers an hour. And I'm just like, who the hell can drive 40 kilometers an hour? Yeah. And now the stupid thing is that when they brought the, uh, the, the school zones in when I was, you know, back when I first started driving, you know, this was, they brought, they brought the school zones in and they put the speed cameras around the school zones so that, you know, you go 41, you're, you're toast. Yeah. But now they have it where it's like you have a school zone and then up like, after the school zone is still 40. So I'm like, what's the difference? Like you're going 40 anyway. So it's like, exactly. yeah. yeah. Soon it's I get you. <laughs> I've got, look, I've got a proposition for you. When you decide that you want to come back and spend some time in Oz, just come to Wollongong. Oh, no, <laughs> no tolls, you know, maybe two or three speed cameras. I know you're a Dragons fan. Get you down yeah. here in the gong. You've spent some time here before. Just set up home base here. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they have no, yeah. Cause in America, they don't really have the cameras here. Yeah. And everyone drives like, like say the speed limit is 50. People drive yeah. 65. People drive, you know, 75, 80. This is miles an hour, you know. Yeah. So, um, and that's that's like normal. So if you're driving, if you're driving 70, you know, mm coming up behind you like come on let's go you know exactly so, yeah. like but when i first came over you know I, like i was so trained to stick to the speed <laughs> limit at 65 and not a, not a notch over 
that's why I was like kind of the the example I was using as a dog on a leash. Mm. It takes it takes a minute to train that out of you because it's sure. basically trained into doing that. And then when I went back with my wife, and she's American, and she's like, she's like, why are you driving so slow? And I'm like, because if I drive faster than 40, there's a speed camera up here that we're going to get done it. And I don't know where yeah. the speed cameras are and they're not because I don't live here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I heard, you, I heard you had a not bad tour guide in Sydney, though. Gus Crichton behind the wheel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. 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 And, um, he was driving, so I didn't have to worry about the speed cameras. So <laughs> yeah, straight onto his bill. <laughs> yeah, so, I wanna, yeah. I want to dive into this third question with you because I'm mindful of your time. The third yeah. is, what's a challenge that you've had over the course of the last few years that has required the most growth to overcome? A challenge. Um, ooh, I mean, I feel like the the last couple of years have been challenging business environment in general, just with the state of the world and the pandemic and um, just kind of navigating through all that and mm. coming out the other side and still being, and still standing, you know, that's kind of, it's been a challenge for, I guess, for everybody. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Do you feel uh, like just you're even more confident in your ability now as a business owner, as a brand, because of, you know, your ability to navigate that period? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that I have a good support staff, mm. a good support. Like my wife probably, um, navigated it more than I did, but yeah, she's, she's kind of the person that I lean on and, you know, it's kind of good to have that other person that we, that kind of, um, that you go through it together with, you know, cause uh, sure. I think I think it's always good to have a partner to to do stuff with. Um, but yeah, I guess that's been tough, but go through tough stuff all the time. And we just always work out a way. That's always been our mentality that there's always a solution. That's always been my mentality. <laughs> I love that. Very well said. My fourth question for you, Dan, is, is there a skill that you're in the process of trying to master or an attribute that you've developed that, serves you well in your life right now a skill ah i think the skill that i would like to do better is multitasking because i'm just like sometimes i'm like feel like i have a thousand things going on and how do i take the time to like i gotta do this right now you know um Mm. um, but that's not really something that i've mastered (laughs) I don't know if we ever master anything, do we? So it's kind of a. Well, that's the thing is like, there's no, like for me, there's no such thing as perfection because if you read that Michael Johnson book and also just in life, I just know that the universe doesn't allow something to be perfect in my, Mm. you know, and I'm like, if that's, if that's the case, then something can always get better. And if you're not going up, you're going down. There's not like, you're not like you either getting better or things are declining. Yeah. So you may as well just get better. Right. For sure. Um, so yeah, I'm always looking for those little one percenters to improve my, my work and what I'm doing. And, um, 
But to, to allude on the Michael Johnson story, he ran this crazy time in the 200 meters in 96. It was, um, I think it's been broken now, but at that time it was like an unheard of time. It was 19.32 seconds. Yeah, wow. But he stumbled at the start of the race and he still ran that race and killed the, like, and, you know, made this amazing time. And he thought to himself, is like, how much better could I have gone if I didn't stumble? You know? Yeah. Like, he would have done, you know, so it's like, there's always that little bit extra you can improve on whatever you're doing. Same with my clothing. It's like, there's millimeters of things that could change on it. There's that could make it better. For sure. Yeah. And, and even to that, you know, whilst there's always that 1% that you can improve, it's also a really good message to say that even when you stumble, head up, keep moving forward. Yeah. You just, you just had to keep going, you know? Um, and then the other thing is complacency is the biggest killer. Hmm. Cause then you get to a point where you've had some success and then you stop doing the things that you did that got you there, you know, and you don't think you need to do them anymore. So you stop, you stop observing and looking for those one percenters because you don't think you need to. And then somebody else is going to come along who's looking for those one percenters and looking for those things that are hungrier than you. And he's going to go past you. It's like in Rocky, when you watch Rocky, when he came up against Clubber Lang in Rocky three, the first time he was not like hungry anymore. Yeah. And then he had to go away and find that hunger again. And then he came back and he beat Clubber Lang. So yeah, it's yeah. so, it's so true. And it's like you said before, you can reminisce on these big moments in your career, you know, that James Harden Adidas collaboration, you can draw inspiration from it, but if you live in that memory and it, and it just becomes all that you've done, then, you know, what's the next one? So I love that you talk about that hunger and I love that you can see that drive within you to want more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, that's just, yeah, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's, it's just, the just way you. you. I think it's just yeah. like, I think yeah. it's you and the way that you are. Like I can tell in the way that you share your story and the way that you speak about your brand that, you know, that hunger is still alive. That drive is still there. So it's exciting. Yeah, no, it is exciting because basically done 10 years of this and I'm just as hungry now um, as I was day one, but I also have 10 years of knowledge and, you know, so for sure in 10 more years, hopefully I have that same hunger and I'll have 20 years of knowledge, you know, cause there's always more to learn and um, figure out. So I don't have it all figured out, but um a work in progress and figuring it out. I love that. My last question for you, Daniel Patrick, is if you could share one message with the world and encourage them to act on it, what would that message be? Well, I think you kind of alluded to it back well, we kind of spoke about it back in um, when you were mentioning the fact that people were kind of waiting until they're ready to do something. Mm. And um if you, did you see the Top Gun movie, the one that just came out? Yeah. Yeah, so the one line in that is don't think, do, right? If you look at life that way, don't think, do. If you're thinking about waiting to be um, ready to do something, that's thinking instead of doing, you know? So you just have to kind of throw yourself out there and kind of just 
be out like put yourself out there and really just um sorry i'm just trying to find the right words to articulate this um so yeah basically like living outside of your comfort zone because um, sure. you can get too comfortable um and waiting around for things to be the perfect moment you know the right time when the sun hits this at this moment and my life feels this way then i can have kids or something like that no one's ever no one's ever ready to have kids right as an example yeah. you do it and you work it out so if you take that example um you could basically apply that to um like a career path or an endeavor that you want to achieve is that no one's ever ready 100 percent to do it and um if you go into it you'll be 10 years down the track and have all that knowledge of like working it out rather than waiting 10 years to then start and then being and then being that far behind you know for sure for sure i love it mate i'm I'm so grateful to have had you on the show. I must say, yeah, I feel I, I feel very stylish walking around the gong in some Daniel Patrick kit at the minute. You know, I feel like. Do you think, do you think it's good that you can't get it there? I think, you know, somewhat selfishly a little bit, yes. That like, yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, there's not many people getting around in these pants right now. This feels. Yeah, because I'm like, if I had a store in um, in Sydney or Melbourne, like, would that take away from the kind of, uh, I guess. The like, exclusivity, I guess. Yeah, the exclusivity of it. And the fact that people come over to my store when they come to LA to get it. And then when they go back, they're like, you know, you can't get this here type thing. <laughs> well, there's, there's two things that come to mind when you say that there is the, the selfishness within me that says, I like being a little bit different with what yeah. I wear. So keep the kit in LA. And yeah. we'll just keep doing the trips back there to get it. But the other selfish part in me says, it'd be nice to have Daniel Patrick down under again. So yeah. I I think inevitably, okay. yeah. I think inevitably one day we'll see that brand. We'll see a shop front and we'll be seeing a whole lot more of your kit here in Oz. And I hope that day comes for the sake of, of the success of your business and everything you're doing. I am, you know, like we said before, whilst we are in very different fields, I feel like I can learn a lot from you. I'm very inspired by your journey and your story, your willingness yeah. to to make things work in spite of, you know, the fact that challenges and roadblocks will be presented in front of you at all walks um, in our life, in our quest. And mate, I'm just so happy to see you successful, happy um, with an amazing family. I'm, I'm very grateful to your wife. It was very lovely to me when I come into the store and you know, whilst I was feeling a little bit lonely um, over there solo by myself in LA, she gave me a great conversation and was very welcoming. So thank you yeah. so much for being a part of this. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I know um, I've learned a little bit about your journey and the things you've overcome in life. And um, so yeah, I appreciate you being able to learn from my journey. <laughs> Mate, pleasure's all mine. Thank you so much. Thank you.